This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Welcome to the Forks of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. And I'm Brian Betts. And we're the K-Podcasters. It's a comic book movie show. And this is the show that also wants to do some reckless shit to get a breakup from Mr. J. Mr. J? How you there, Puddin? Is this uh, a Long Island accent or a Valley Girl type accent? Uh, You know, (laughs) I would say Long Island. (laughs) Yes, I understand. Margot Robbie, she's from neither. From, yeah, she she's from as far away from both as you can get. Like if you took the average, that doesn't that, that doesn't make sense at all. That's not how geography works. <laughs> if you took the average of Long Island and California, that's like Australia, right? Well, the opposite of what that average would be would be Australia, right? It's like Iceland, but the South Iceland, South Iceland, <laughs> Australia. Good day, <laughs> good day, Puddin. <laughs> Let me throw another Stingray Bob in the old chest area. I just see it as like Margot Robbie's just doing her best um, Fran Drescher. She wishes. First of (laughs) all. (laughs) Uh, We're going to need a little more Jewish nanny, Margot. Thank you. (laughs) Do I know it's a little disturbing about Fran Drescher? I would love to know. It's how similar she sounds to Steve Urkel sometimes. Wow. I never really thought about it until this moment, but yes. So there you go. Good luck sleeping tonight, everybody. We should say that this week we are talking about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn from 2020, directed by Kathy fucking Yan. Absolutely. Famous director, Kathy fucking Yan. I gave her the fucking because I watched this movie and yeah. oh boy, is my butt <laughs> sore. Because my ass has been kicked. Everybody's has. I gave her the famous director because, uh, who? Yeah, that's also very, very fair. And you saw this thing in theaters, right? I sure did. Hit me with your thoughts, bud. Oh, man. This movie's too much fun? I didn't know there was such a thing, and then I finished this, and I went, what just happened, and can I do it again? I felt like Donkey at the end of the song in Shrek, where I was like, let's do that again. That's exactly where my head went. It this is like it didn't. That's so specific. This whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, "Welcome to Duloc, such a perfect town." No, we may have talked about Trek one day, <laughs> but Birds of Prey, man, DC, do this more. Yes, more of this, and I think they will, and we'll get there. You want to get into this thing? Let's get into it. They say if you want to tell a story right, you gotta start at the beginning. It's a good place to start. Not doing but the voice. You should now. <laughs> Do the voice the whole way through. You've committed. Uh, Harley freaking Quinn, played by Margaret fucking Robbie. Yeah, I said Margaret. And you said freaking. What, what is happening right now? Harley freaking Quinn, played by Margot fucking Robbie. Yeah, that's pretty fair, actually. Then I hope she gets emancipated in a fantabulous <laughs> in way. In a fantabulous in this, way. In this film. <laughs> she tells us all about her origin story in a fantastic animated intro. Cause probably because Jared Leto was busy. Good. 
Which is th- what you want to hear when you're That's shooting. Exactly it. it. It's like, oh, okay. Can we get his schedule before we decide when we're going to shoot? So, Jared, you're available the week of the seventh, but you're not available the week of the fourteenth. But then again, you're available. Wow, damn it! We're doing the fourteenth. Mm, damn sorry, it, man. Uh, damn we it. Tried. We oh, tried to make it work. Damn it! God damn it! We can't get Jared to do the role. Oh, oh damn it! What a shame. I guess we're just going to have to animate you. <laughs> That's fine with me. Turns out her dad tried to get rid of her, tried to trade her for a six-pack of beer, but she made it back home, so we dumped her off at a Catholic girls' school. She became a criminal psychologist, fell for the Joker, turned to a life of crime, etc., etc. It all culminates in her and Mr. J breaking up. Boom. There you go. Scene is set. She does not take it well, despite saying that he did not take it well. She rents a crummy apartment, starts doing roller derby to distract herself, and adopts a hyena that she names Bruce after that hunky Mr. Wayne guy. I love that hyena, and I love the name that she gave it. I love that they didn't have enough budget to CGI two, so they just did one. That's good enough, though. Yeah. Also, if you do two, you give them the traditional Abbott and Costello names, and they were named by the Joker, and that's no fun. You have to explain all that. You do, and this just worked out too perfectly. Harley goes to Roman Sionis's club. Roman Sionis, of course, played by... You and fucking McGregor. Hello there. He's he's uh having Pedro Pascal levels of fun before Pedro <laughs> Pascal was in the next movie. He really, really is. This is a treat to see. And I texted you right when I was watching. I said, is that you and fucking McGregor? You better believe it. You and McGregor is approaching this strange level of like Kevin Bacon in terms of the roles that he's taking, where yes. you just get really, really excited when you see them because you know that you're in for a really good time. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, regardless of whether it's good or not, we're going to enjoy it. We are. It's Rob Lowe territory also. Yes. That absolutely. same level of actor and celebrity where you're just like, ah, this is perfect. <laughs> oh, fantastic. We're in for a ride. Fantabulous. Fantabulous is what I said. Harley goes to Roman's club where she drunkenly breaks his driver's legs. But he doesn't do anything about it, because Harley hasn't told anybody that she and Joker are broken up, since her relationship basically grants her immunity from the wrath of Gotham's thugs. And she doesn't just break this man's legs. She jumps off the stage onto the man's legs that are, he's like propping up. He's just relaxing yeah. there. He's, he's, you know, enjoying the ottoman. And then we get introduced to the tone of this film, which is, a little bit ultraviolence. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> also, what are we like three, four minutes into the movie? I think they've already said fuck like six, seven times. Yeah. And they're not even doing it like it's too much. No, it's it's just they're peppering it in there liberally, but appropriately. I like it so much. Harley is out with some other ladies and she overhears them talking about how she's nothing without Joker. And she's definitely going to eventually go running back to him. So she wants to send a message. So Harley steals an oil tanker, drives it into Ace Chemicals, just obliterating the plant. Just so many fireworks inside that, that gas truck or whatever it was. I love this so much because it's a special place to her. She wants to really send a message to Joker and the world, but also to herself. She wants to yes. destroy the foundation of what made her her. Yeah, she wants a fantabulous emancipation. And she's going to get it in the best way possible. Moments before all of this. Detective Renee Montoya, played by Rosie fucking Perez, is investigating what appears to be a mob hit at a restaurant. We get a little flashback showing Mary Elizabeth fucking Winstead walking in 
killing all the men with a gun, except for the last guy who she's like, do you know who I am? And then she shoots him with a crossbow, which has earned her the title, the crossbow killer. <laughs> now what you want, especially when that's not your name. That's not your name. What? I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it the Ting Tings? Is it? <laughs> One day people are going to realize that I have no clue what I'm talking about most of the time. And if you <laughs> yell it into a microphone, people just may believe you. <laughs> it's worth a shot. I can like hear the Ting Tings right now. Like, that's not our name. That's not our <laughs> name. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did he say, yeah, yeah, yes? They wish. Oh, got them, Ting Tings. Nailed it. Put that I could, on also, blast, apparently. could also be wrong. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for our new show to come out where we uh, only talk about music that we're not all that familiar with ever. <laughs> you ever hear that one song? You know, the one with the, with the lyrics? <laughs> with ZZ Bottom. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantabulous. Fantabulous. Get it together. You're you're embarrassing us. I'll get there. (laughs) Montoya suspects that this crossbow killer is a hired assassin from Roman Sionis. And I have my first actual IMDb trivia fact. Oh, goody. And I have a good feeling there were a bunch for this movie. There were uh, quite a few. Most recent movies have have a lot because they're just very accessible now. Especially anything in Marvel and DC. Oh, yeah. I picked this one out because uh, there's a little bit of a twist ending if you forget about certain things in life. (laughs) Okay. This is the second collaboration between Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead after working together on season three of Fargo in 2014. In 2021, it was announced that McGregor and Winstead had welcomed a baby boy, their first child together. Now, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Huntress in this film, but she also played Homewrecker in real life. Was that it? Was that her superhero name in IRL? I, I don't recall because uh, it slipped my mind that those two were, were an item, were a thing. Are they still itemed together? Because uh, yeah. Ewan was married with kids and everything, like a life. And then Mary Elizabeth Winstead went, what's up? And he's like, that's it. That's all I needed. I like some of that. Hello there. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently they're married now and, and they have a child. All right. And imagine my shock reading the second half of that IMDb trivia fact, knowing none of that. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely going to surprise you. Oh, yeah. They were to get, they were in season three of Fargo. Wait, what? They have a baby? (laughs) Well, I mean, Fargo, it's pretty much just an aphrodisiac of television, right? It's the accent. It's always the accent. (laughs) If I ever met a girl from Minnesota, like when I was single and she said, oh, yeah, you betcha. I can, like, feel my penis crawling up into me. <laughs> oh, yeah. To the point oh, yeah. that it would, like, start tickling, like, my small intestine in there. Like, that's how deep inside it would go. It would be the, a full-blown fucking <laughs> innie. Oh, yeah. You betcha. So gross. I'm so sorry if you're from Minnesota, but... um. <laughs> I don't know. Do better. Do better. <laughs> make your mouth make different sounds. And not the ones that you're currently making. That was almost mean. (laughs) We always destroy the South. So it's about time we go to the Great White North. They're due. They are due. For crying in the mud. Don't Bobby's World again. We've talked about this. Maybe we have bashed them. I don't remember. I feel like it's either the South or Minnesota. That's all we bash. (laughs) 
to the Midwest. You're next. You and your oh, personality. <laughs> See, that's the thing about the Midwest. Forgettable. <laughs> it really is. And don't get me started on every state that starts with a vowel. No, oh, don't get Brian started. I've heard this rant before. We don't have enough time. <laughs> so yeah, Montoya, she's doing this investigation. And then the chemical plant explodes, because time, all fucky in this movie. Yeah, we will get there. And they're like, we got to go investigate that giant explosion that's happening What right outside. And <laughs> a cop finds Harley's J necklace. And they say that Batman is the greatest detective, but Montoya is like, boom, Harley and Joker broke up. I can tell because there's a necklace with the letter J on it on the ground. It's all she needed. Clear sign that she and the Joker are Dunsky, and Harley Quinn has declared open season on herself. It's not great. Now what you want if you were Harley Quinn? Drunkenly saying, hey, everybody, come get me. We've all been there. <laughs> Once or twice. Among the criminals that want Harley dead are Roman and his right-hand man, Victor Zaz, played by Chris fucking Messina. Give it to him. You earned it in this thing. They're busy torturing a family of, of a businessman who denied a deal with Sionis by cutting their faces off. As you do. Yeah, and they're about to let the daughter go, but and she like she's like crying and she has a big snot bubble and Roman changes his <laughs> mind. He's like, that's gross. I love Cut her face that off. So much. <laughs> <laughs> that should give you the idea of the kind of Ewan McGregor we're dealing with here. The best type. The best kind. The kind that'll cut your face off for a booger bubble. That's Right. Meanwhile, Harley is busy trying to cure her hangover by getting, quote, the perfect egg sandwich. And I have a caped IMDb trivia fact. You do, and I think it's going to lead to quite a bit of discussion. I, I think so, too. The word pork roll was removed from the breakfast sandwich scene as to not offend certain thin-skinned individuals who insist on calling it Taylor ham. You flipped that, you son I, of a bitch. I did. I had to. I know what these digits typed. <laughs> and you, you thin-skinned son of a bitch, you've reversed it. How dare you? I was okay with it just being a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich like it is in the movie. You're the one who had to go and go, oh, I got to fight about Taylor ham now. Yeah, this seems like the appropriate time to do it. <laughs> If there ever a time. If there's ever been a time for this discussion to happen. I mean, this is like the seventh or eighth time it's come up with the podcast. But It has, but never we've never been time. around a breakfast sandwich, and this movie is strictly breakfast sandwich based. It's true. It's a love story to perfect breakfast sandwiches. And she did the hot sauce, which is the most appropriate to. thing to a do little bit, not when too you're much. hungover. It's called Taylor Ham. <sighs> Cut the a, shit, That is a brand pork roll. You are correct. It is a brand of pork roll, but it's the appropriate way to do it. It's a Taylor ham, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, with a little bit of hot sauce, and a round roll. Yes. All right. <laughs> you could, we, made, we made fun of the Midwest. We made fun of the vowel states. We made fun of the great white north. Don't make me go in on Jersey right now, because your Jersey's showing all over the place. It's supposed to. I bring it with me everywhere I go. Put your Jersey away, and let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it all over the podcast. It explains, like, the, the smog coming out of everybody's speakers right now. <laughs> Dave gets yeah, too smell. worked up. <laughs> Wherever you're driving right now, if it strangely starts to smell like the Jersey Turnpike, I'm sorry, that was Dave. <laughs> right. We want to keep it kind of Garden State Parkway based, where you get a little right. bit of ocean mixed with a little bit of just, like, a hint of shit. Yeah, and, like, just so much anger because of the traffic and the constant tolling. Right, and then you get down there, people are like, Avalon. Lavalette. And you're like, that sounds lovely, but I had a miserable time getting here. 
So I'm going to brood for like a full day. I need a day to recover from the commute. It is a commute at that point. Yeah. Taylor Ham and go fuck yourself. Thank you. Pork roll and sure. <laughs> All right, good. Agree to disagree. Again, as, we've, as long we've as accomplished we can agree, nothing. As long as we can agree on the go fuck yourself part, we're good. Yeah, that's no, the fair ending to the argument, yes. So Montoya and a whole bunch of pissed off crooks all find Harley and start chasing her. Just, you know, hey, six hours ago you blew up a chemical factory and now everybody's looking for you. Montoya eventually tackles her and she drops her sandwich in the street and it's devastating. I was devastated. I was like, no, not that perfect sandwich that the guy who plays Sid spent hours and hours learning how to make and then they just filmed the on-set caterer. I feel like Ted Danson in a good place just called me basic. <laughs> yeah. That was my level of devastation seeing this on the street. Also, can't say I wouldn't go back for it. Right. Like, I mean, it looked good. It looked good. A sandwich that good. A little street sandwich, that's fine. If you're that hungover, you're, the world's your plate. If, if you're that hungover, maybe. And you were, I mean, you're already 75 cents short for that sandwich, so I can't imagine going and getting another one is, is on the table, so. Well, she Harley Quinn charmed the deli man's ass, and he's just like, yeah, you're good. Yeah, of course. I like this thing where she is doing the narration, but then she will continue it out loud in character. She'll be like, like the narration is like, Sid makes the best breakfast sandwich ever. And then she'll say to Sid, I mean it, ever. That's just called good filmmaking? And, I'm pretty and sure that's what you're looking for? Sid is just like, the fuck is happening? Well, that's the right move also from <laughs> Sid. Because she just said, I mean it, ever. Well, the way Harley looks, you shouldn't question anything she ever says. No. Because it's going to be batshit crazy every time. I know where she falls on Barney Stinson's graph. (laughs) Another very specific reference. So specific. When it seems like Harley's been cornered, she throws a bag of garbage at Montoya, which blindsides Sionis' former driver who was behind her in a wheelchair getting ready to shoot Harley, and he accidentally shoots an oncoming truck and that truck crashes, and the guy driving that truck was also trying to kill Harley, so they all kind of, there's all this mayhem of these thugs, and she gets away. And she even recognizes it as luck. And as I love this luck. because we get to see the person's name pop up on screen oh, it's so and good. their grievance. And, man, this is a borderline, like, Festivus movie <laughs> with the amount of grievances being <laughs> aired. Being we are, like, so many a, aired grievances. one pole away and a Jerry Stiller. From this being a perfect film. Oh, Jerry Stiller would have made this a perfect film. Serenity now, Puddin. Serenity now. <laughs> Unfortunately, Harley runs into a big dude that she and the Joker tattooed a clown face on his face. So that's his grievance. Before he can get her, he's killed by the crossbow killer. And then Harley is surrounded by Roman's thugs. Not great. Montoya returns to the police station where she is mocked by the other officers for smelling like garbage and she has to put on a I shaved my balls for this t-shirt from the Lost and Just Found. go home. Briefly. Just go home for a hot second. She's she's on the case, man. She's no time. Give me that I shaved my balls for this shirt and let's keep going. You're not in a first 48 situation here. Or are you? You're not. It's Harley Quinn. She's going to pop up very, very shortly in this city. (laughs) Well, she's not really after Harley so much as she's after Roman. He will pop up as well if he has as much control over the city as he states that he does. Well, the problem here is she's meeting with Captain Erickson, 
who who was her former partner and has taken credit for all of her work and gotten promoted, and the district attorney, Ellen Yee, is played by Ali fucking Wong. I love Ali Wong. And she's also Montoya's ex. So this little powwow of people who have fucked over Montoya, and she's wearing a, I shaved my balls for this shirt. I just like, <laughs> I have to keep bringing it up. Fair. It's like a ringer tee too, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. It's almost like a vote for Pedro, but with a way better slogan on it. And a Rosie Perez. And a Rosie Perez. She's building a case against Roman, but she doesn't have any support from either of these two. But she's heard rumblings from her informant, which was Sionis's former driver, that he is going after the Bertinelli diamond. And that's why she needs to get shit done now, because if he gets that money, it's over. She'll never be able to lock him up. That's why she's in such a hurry. Boom. Exposition dump there. So that's why she can't go home and change her shirt. What's the Bertinelli diamond, you ask? Well, let's have a flashback. 15 years ago, the Bertinelli family was gunned down by a bunch of thugs looking for access to their offshore bank accounts worth billions. The details of said accounts were laser engraved into a 30-carat diamond, which has been missing since the massacre. And this flashback comes out of nowhere? I just want to state that? It does. And it lasts for forever? It, it lasts pretty long, but I like that it's like, hold on, I need to tell you what that is. And then 15 years ago, it's yeah, Which is appropriate for the way that the story is being told, but man, it pulled yes. me out briefly. It pulled me out a little too hard. Okay. It's also shot very different from the rest of the movie, stylistically. That's very fair. Without any circumstantial evidence, Montoya is taken off the Sionis case and tasked instead with tending to Cassandra Kane, played by Ella J. fucking Basco, a young girl who was brought in for pickpocketing. And she's really good at pickpocketing. She's so good at it. Montoya gets a call from Dinah Lance, played by Journey Smollett Bell, Journey fucking Smollett Bell, saying that Cassandra has the diamond on her. And about that time, Harley storms the precinct with her fun gun and goes after Cass, but realizes she's getting ahead of herself in the story. So it's kind of a fun way to do it, but also a little bit annoying. But I don't know. We'll get there. I'll say this. The more times yeah. I've watched it, the more I've enjoyed it. Okay. Maybe my second viewing, I'll be like, yeah, all right, this is fine. I think it's, it's hard to follow on your phone. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I do have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Hit me. Harley Quinn is one of the most famous, unreliable narrators in the DC universe across all platforms. As such, there is a popular fan theory that the beanbags Harley uses in the police station sequence are actually bullets, and the confetti is blood. Unable to deal with the guilt of the massacre, Harley sees herself merely harming the officers rather than killing them. I love that theory because the fun gun does have just a lot of beanbags of different colors and confetti blasting everywhere yeah, and, and, and visually cans. it's awesome. And the action choreography here is awesome. Incredible. It's so well done. And it goes on for like 20 minutes. It's insane. And you get your proprietary DC slow-mo moments. They're necessary. And it's so good when you have just giant explosions of glitter. In slow motion. It's fantastic. It's fantabulous. It, it is. This was a great choice. Absolutely love it. But like I said, Harley realizes she's getting ahead of herself. And we're going to rewind to earlier that week. Dinah Lance, a.k.a. the Black Canary, is performing at Roman Sionis' club. Roman is telling Mr. Keogh, who we've already seen once in this movie, Sans Face, about the Bertinelli diamond, which he's found. And Keogh refuses to work with Roman which is what later leads to the demise of him and his family. And his face. And his face. Dinah talks with a drunken Harley, because this is the night of her drunken shenanigans at said bar. 
and she confesses that she and Joker are broken up. Then Harley starts drinking with this guy who tries to abduct her. Dinah sees this, beats up all, all the guys, this guy who's trying to take her and his buddies. It's gals looking out for gals. Gals looking out for gals. And she's, uh, Dinah kicks some serious ass. Yeah, she does. And she doesn't even use her power, which no, I love. Just straight up knocking fools out with her hands and feet. Black Canary is a great character in the comics. And it got me really excited saying, we're going to get an arrow? No? That'd be pretty cool if we got an arrow. It would be pretty neat if we eventually got an arrow. Even though I don't know where he would fit, because, I mean, at this point, you have to go, like, full-blown Green Arrow Robin Hood style. But you got Huntress. You got sort of close that, to that's true. a weapon, yeah. I guess. Roman sees Dinah kicking ass from his little window up at the top of his club, and he has Zaz bring Dinah up so he can make her his new driver. It's a choice, I guess. She sings yeah, real good, therefore she must drive great. Hey, Just I like, know she can sing and, and punch people in the face, so let's make her drive. Well, that's why Dale Earnhardt became a driver. He was the songbird of a generation. And they're like, <laughs> Everybody knows it. You hop in the number three car. He would get up on stage and people would just be so intimidated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> very specific jokes this week. I know. This is very, <laughs> like, pointed. It's like, there's one person who's loving all of this, and then everybody else is like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> That's the people who say that every week, though. <laughs> what the fuck are they talking about? At some point over the next week, Montoya finds out that Dinah is Roman's new driver and tries to get the same deal going with her as she had with the previous driver, but she's like, no, I'm not helping you. Why should I? She's right. It's a good enough reason for me. <laughs> Dinah knows Cass because they live in the same building, and Dinah has a soft spot for her because she knows that she lives with abusive foster parents, so they have like this little rapport already established. And I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Another. Another. Jeez. All right. When Black Canary, I just like the way this one's worded. Fair. All right. <laughs> when Black Canary goes into the building where she lives, a sign with the logo Janus for the Janus Corporation is on the left side of the entryway when the first letter J is crossed out, leaving the rest of the word open. Okay. There you go. That's an IMDb fact about an open anus. Yes, it is. So Cassandra Kane is a hell of a pickpocket, as we've established. I love the way that they do the pickpocket stuff too, because pickpocketing is a tough thing to show on screen because you got to kind of edit around it a little bit. Yeah. And they don't. They nope. just show her being smooth and doing it right out in the open, just going it's for it. So good. If you're paying attention the littlest bit, you will see it happen. It's so well done, but the people who she's pickpocketing have no clue. That's the way to do it. Yes. 100%. Especially because they do the fun stuff later with the pickpocket jokes and stuff. It's so yes. good setup. To get to the, the gags. One day she's on the street and she's caught trying to pickpocket Dinah, who tells her to be careful because eventually she'll pick the wrong pocket. So Cass proceeds to immediately pick the wrong pocket. <laughs> it is immediate, isn't it? It is like 20 seconds later, if that. She turns around and, well, you see, Zaz and Dinah are there picking up the Bertinelli diamond. Right. So Cass takes the diamond from Zaz and then is immediately arrested for some other stuff she stole somewhere else. Right. It's. Uh, pretty much the instant fuck around find out. Yeah, it is. It is a whole lot of fucking around and then finding out. I think my favorite part about this scene is that Zaz is watching and like this lady that's sitting on the bench is like, hey, she stole my watch. And Zaz is loving it. He's like, this is hilarious. And then he reaches into his pocket and he's like, <laughs> it's very oh, good. Oh shit. Where's the diamond? That realization is just perfect. 
Yeah, and at that point, Cass is in custody in the back of the cruiser, where naturally, you swallow the diamond. Naturally, and they drive off in this cruiser real fast. This is the quickest arrest that has ever happened anywhere. Ever. They're not even getting a statement from the guy that she, she pickpocketed or shoplifted from or whatever. It's They're just like, get in the car, we're out of here. Instant guilt. So now we're back to the morning of the Ace Chemical Explosion. Zaz and Dinah have just told Sionis the diamond was stolen. Sionis' men have Harley. So he's like, all right, I'm pissed. I'm going to take it out on Harley. She knows that he had a long list of grievances against her, like voting for Bernie, pronouncing it espresso, calling him Romy. <laughs> I get it all. It makes a lot of sense. So he smacks her around a little bit, which triggers some kind of Marilyn Monroe, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend Fever Dream sequence. How great was that? It's so good, and it comes out of absolutely nowhere. But it does not overstay its welcome. No, it is, it is exactly the perfect. And there's like the bits in there where it's so faithful to the original, but they, they hardly quint it up. They do. There's a lot of fun musical cues yes. within it and like sound effects and stuff. But I love it because at first you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then by the time you're like, oh, that's fun. This is, I'm having fun. They get back to the movie again. You're like, yes. That is how you do it. That it's is like, really well done. Ewan McGregor just slapped her across the face, and now he's dancing with her, and now he's back to being the bad guy again. I love it. Before Roman can have Harley killed, she offers to recover the diamond, and Roman's like, fine. Go try to get the diamond. If you fail, I kill you anyway. If you succeed, I get the diamond. Win-win, I guess. But after she leaves, he also orders a $500,000 bounty on Cass. Yeah, that kind of throws a wrench into the system, doesn't it? Yeah, trying to make things interesting here. Which I appreciate, but you just got the right person on the job. And now you're about to just make it a lot of fun for us to watch, but you're really right. probably not going to get your diamond anytime soon. It feels like you're really complicating the matter. Yes. But speaking of people putting up a lot of money to get kids where they want them, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. Kevin Spacey was originally cast in whatever role in this movie. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Journey Smollett, who played Black Canary in this movie, is the second actress from the sitcom Full House to play the character. The first was Lori Laughlin, who played Carolyn Lance slash Black Canary in the short-lived television series Birds of Prey. My God, that is wild. Isn't that absolutely insane? And for those of you who don't know, Lori Laughlin. She had some dumb, dumb kids who she had to go to extreme measures <laughs> to get them uh, more education. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pay a lot of money to get your kid where you, where you want them. Sometimes you get caught and have to go to jail for a little bit and complain about how hard it is. Oh, jail's hard. I should have never bribed schools. Is her kid still in school? I have this was no like the whole idea. Stanford like rowing team or whatever. Her kid's like, I don't even know what water is because I'm an idiot. <laughs> rowing that's not what i meant when i was talking about my crew <laughs> uh, her crew is probably just like a, a page of only fans who are just like show me pictures of your mom's feet <laughs> or something <laughs> wild like that yeah i'm in i'm in that crew just, <laughs> what <laughs> i don't know i gotta imagine there's like a mom's foot thing people are like oh yeah it's a milf but just her feet Mom's foot <laughs> at OnlyFans.com. Billion dollars. Here you go, I guess. Sure. All, for some reason, all I'm thinking of now is uh, Danny DeVito's troll foot posts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The man doesn't know he could be making money off of these. He has no clue. He does it for free. He's a good man. He's got great mom feet. (laughs) Uh, Ew. Just so many levels of ew. Oh, it is so many levels. So we're all caught up. Cut to Harley attacking the police station with colorful smoke and confetti bombs and whatnot. She breaks Cass out, but also lets out a whole bunch of other crooks who want to kill her. Yeah, not great. Harley goes, beats them all up on her own. Also, should mention, for some reason, the sprinklers are going off. There's, you know, water. Well, there's like the most convenient malfunctions of the things that she needs. Well, she didn't know how to open the door, so she just smashed the computer for a while until it opened the door, which is definitely how those work always. But now it's also everything else is messing up. That's true, but they also did establish dumb luck. That's true. If anything, she has like those domino powers. That's a good point. And that would be really interesting to see as like a standalone movie of just the most coincidental things in the world happening. And I would never get tired of it. That would be phenomenal. I would watch that forever. More goons who want Cass and the Diamond show up at the precinct and just start going toward Harley and and Cass. Harley finds a baseball bat in evidence storage and hides behind a pallet of cocaine. As you do! The goons fire at her, filling the air with said cocaine. Harley takes a big old breath and then proceeds to beat the living shit out of all of them. This is the most fun cocaine rage that's ever been captured on film. Ever. It's so good. And she ends up killing them all, which is great. That's what she wanted. And she escapes. <laughs> she wanted. She escapes the police station with Cass inside a minivan. Woohoo! And I like how they stole the minivan with mattresses on top. Sometimes you're, you're stuck with whatever's in lockup, you know? Yeah. Roman learns that Harley and Cass got away, and he loses his shit. There's a woman in his club laughing. He decides that that's where he's going to focus his anger. This is so, like, disturbing to watch, too, because this woman's having a great time, and he's like, get up on the table. And she's like, whoa, what? <laughs> You're being silly. And he's like, get on the fucking table. And he's like, dance. And it is terrifying. And he's like, I don't like that dress. It's ugly. Take it off. And oh, she's like, I don't, don't want to do that. So he has her friend get up on the table with a knife, telling him to cut it off of her. And he's like, uh, I don't want to do this either. And, and so, you know, it's, it's fucking terrible. And Dinah, she's like, I've seen enough. This is, uh, this is too much. Ewan McGregor is a sweetheart, and he's doing this, and it's hard to watch. It is very hard to watch. He is a monster. But then, once he seems satisfied with the situation, he starts doing this little dance, and you're like, why do I still kind of like this guy? He's terrible. <laughs> That's a good villain. You kind of want to root for the villain a little bit. A little bit. And it's a weird place for this one, Dave. I don't know why you told me to put it here, but I have another Cape Dying to be trivia fact. Okay. It should be illegal to have as much fun as Ewan McGregor is having in this film. It should be. I mean, that last part should definitely be illegal. Without a doubt. But watching him, just like, we need to arrest this man for having this much fun. If I can't have this much fun in real life, no one should be able to. He's he's absolutely crushing it. There's a scene earlier in the movie where he's just showing Dinah all of his, like, masks and stuff. And he has, like, these shrunken heads. And he's like... He's over a thousand years old, and now he's just an ornament in my living room. Ew, I love it. (laughs) It's so good. It's so insanely good. Harley learns that Cass swallowed the diamond. So they go to the supermarket to get laxatives, and Harley warns her that anyone else will have no problem cutting it out of her, so she better stick with her. Right. She kind of gives her the choice of laxatives or knife, and also... I forgot to buy groceries, so we're going to buy all these groceries, except we're totally not, because (laughs) 
Only suckers pay. Only suckers pay. And I have so many questions about this because she does just run the shopping cart full of groceries through the checkout and just completely kneecaps the poor little manager there (laughs) who's like five minutes away from his lunch break probably. Yeah. And then she's walking to the minivan with her groceries all bagged. I didn't notice that. (laughs) It was the first thing I noticed. And I'm sitting there going like, was there a scene in there where this guy's on the ground holding onto his knees, just completely wrecked while she's just bagging <laughs> she up bags whatever. She her own groceries that she proceeds to steal. Now you see, Cassandra, you got to keep the colds with the colds and you got to keep your meat separate. Okay, Puddin'? Well, not Puddin'. That's a name reserved That's for a person true. she doesn't That's want to talk about. That's a good point. Apologies to Puddin'. To, to the point where she had Puddin' tattooed on her and she started changing the tattoo to say pudding cups instead which we can all relate to of course who doesn't love a good pudding cup if you don't love a good pudding cup turn this show off delete it from your uh podcatcher for forever thank you agreed pudding boys for life that's right <laughs> we're possibly canadian the way we rub- we put pudding on our arms and rub it off each other before we do each show, uh, <laughs> as is tradition. We weren't supposed to tell people that part. That's our OnlyFans. Yep, it's just- If you go on, it's just- We're the only follow one spreading. thing in it. <laughs> oh, man. But we don't cross streams. You don't cross the streams. We keep our mom feet and our and our pudding spreading separate. We're not monsters. Yeah. Keep that pudding away from mom's feet. That's gross. Or is it? Get your Danny DeVito feet away from my tapioca. Everyone's just like, oh, George Perez and his JLA Avengers crossover. It was the most epic thing ever. It's like, <laughs> have you ever seen pudding uh, on mom's feet? This took a weird turn somewhere. oh god i got the nighttime sillies right now i don't know what to tell you it's a little late the veil's been lifted everybody knows now got the buffalo tracing in my veins and the nighttime sillies harley and Cass go back to harley's apartment above a taiwanese restaurant run by doc who keeps harley safe doc of course played by dana fucking me he's there he calls her white lotus he loves her he loves her he takes care of her after harley and Cass go upstairs the crossbow killer approaches Doc. Cut to crossbow killer's backstory. She is, in fact, Helena Bertinelli. After her family was murdered by Bob, Bob Moss, not Mob Boss, Bob Moss. <laughs> uh, I feel like the perfect cover. It's like, is he a Mob Boss? No. His name is Bob Moss. Bob Moss. He paints, but he mostly uses uh, m- Moss. <laughs> right, he reaches his hand into his pond. And just slaps it on the canvas. He's kind of like an idiot Jackson Pollock. <laughs> but he's definitely not a mob boss. <laughs> That's right. After her family was murdered by mob boss Stefano Galante, <laughs> one of his goons saw that Helena had survived. So he took her away to Sicily, where she was trained to become an assassin, naturally. As you do, yes. She came back, killed Galante, and the mob guys from earlier that were the firing squad that killed her family, including Clown Face Man. And Victor Zaz is the last name on her list. Also, she calls herself the Huntress. But I like how she's not even confident in that name. Like, that's what no. she wants to be called. But she has to, like, practice, like, and they call me. And they call me. Like, trying to get the <laughs> line reading right in her own head. Do you know who I Do you know who I am? 
do you know who I am? I love those types of things of like the becoming a hero, the naming yourself yes. type thing. And it's like, that is so much fun to see. Yeah. She calls herself Huntress. Fucking fabulous, if you ask me. Fantabulous, yes. Well, I'm just quoting the movie. Yes, you are. And I'm quoting the bit. Back at the police station, Montoya finds out that Ellen Yee, the assistant DA, her ex, went behind her back, told the captain, Erickson, that she stole evidence from a crime scene. And Erickson's like, gotta suspend you, Montoya. You can't be going around doing that. And he's right. But also, Harley's right, because anybody who's ever seen any kind of movie with cops knows that the real shit doesn't start until the cop gets suspended. It's true. Hitting all the tropes. Harley's apartment gets blown up by one of Roman's goons, and Bruce goes missing. Our darling Aina, you chased the little flame ball and it blew up. That's not good. He's trying to play catch with a big old bomb. That's not what you want. Harley learns that Doc sold her out to Roman's goons for a big payday. He's going to open up a nicer restaurant. It's just business. That kind of hurt to see. The little bit that we knew about Doc, you're like, wow, Harley has someone. And then Doc yeah. just turns out to be like everyone else. Just like everyone else. And Harley's hurt. And she's worried that she now has nowhere to hide from the many, many people that want her dead. So Harley contacts Roman and offers to trade Cass for immunity. Roman agrees, and he has Dinah drive Zaz to meet them. On the way there, Zaz spots a text exchange between Dinah and Montoya, because Dinah has been telling Montoya all the stuff going down ever since Roman pulled his little stunt with, the, with what's-her-name on the table. Right. And Dinah was letting Montoya know where they were headed. Zaz sees this, so he calls up Roman and tells Roman that Dinah is a snitch, a rat. And Roman's very upset, and he puts on his black mask to come take care of it himself. I like how we finally have real stakes in this film, where most yeah. of it's just been like various versions of one-on-one -on -one grievances. I understand she's taken out like a small army of people in this, yeah. but they were like, no name, whatever. Right. And we're finally about to... Get to that climax. Everything is starting to come together just in time for the great crescendo. And I love the meeting spot that she picks because it's an amusement park. It sure is. It's the booby trap at Amusement Mile, the amusement park hideout that she used to share with the Joker. This seems like a good enough time. I have another actual IMDb trivia fact. How many more do you have? I'm getting exhausted. I think this is the last one. That's good. I'm like about to fall asleep. Again, the nighttime sillies, man. You got to feed them. <laughs> Uh, this is a short one, though. Short trivia fact. Like Suicide Squad, this film is canonical. Oh, goody. I'm so glad that you slammed the brakes on just to point that out. Someone took the time to submit to IMDb that this movie, canon. Uh, actual IMDb trivia fact, uh, title Birds of Prey has vowels in it. <laughs> Birds of Prey, also a type of bird. That's right. I love how we're this deep into this movie. We haven't even talked about anything to do with Birds of Prey. Oh, they're coming. They are, but like the movie's almost over. We're almost done. It's an origin story. I get that, but even in like a Superman origin story, a Batman, even Batman Begins, he became a bat halfway through. <laughs> like this movie is the longest origin ever. I mean, the last four words of Iron Man are, I am Iron Man. I get that, but he was Iron Man before that even. We got to see him in the suit kicking ass, but well before. That's, that's true. Well, I mean, we've seen these people kicking ass. They but just not come together in their and, unit. and put a name to it yet. Fair enough. It's like the last slide of the movie. <laughs> when we get there, <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Cass finds out about the betrayal 
as Harley straps her to a toilet so she can poop out the diamond. And man, that's got to be a task and a half. 30 carat diamond, uh, sharp edges, not going to be yeah. super fun times. But your butthole heals quickly, right? Tell that to my butthole. What? What? <laughs> yeah, a little too much Taco Bell in those boys. You'll see what happens to buttholes. <laughs> Becomes an open anus. <laughs> it only heals if you stop eating the Taco Bell. And, well, I'm not willing to try long enough. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> That'd be, like, the most embarrassing way to go is, like, you get toxic shock syndrome in your butthole because you won't stop eating Taco Bell. <laughs> long enough for it to heal. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, you stop eating Taco Bell. Will you fuck <laughs> off? Dr. Oz, probably. I don't know. You were almost healed. You only need to go one more day. Yeah, but I need a crunch wrap. Like, real bad. If I don't eat tacos on Taco Tuesday, then what the fuck am I even doing alive? <laughs> right, I might as well die if I have to go a week without Taco Bell, Doc. What a stupid thing. And now they brought back the Fiesta potatoes. Oh, did they really? That's good for your butthole, because they're not sharp or anything like that, but they're very cheesy. <laughs> But now they like they're not sharp. It's true. Up the container size. Now it's like a full meal almost. Like oh, you, really? You better want starch because you're getting it. Might have to go get some Fiesta potatoes. Oh, they're delicious. Don't get me wrong. Safe for your butthole, too. Butthole approved. <laughs> butthole approved from Taco <laughs> Bell. Cheesy Fiesta potatoes. You got your normal uh, crunchy hard shell taco. And it's like not great for your butthole. Okay, this is uh, the CEO of Taco Bell. What would happen if we wrapped that in a soft shell and have a cheese gordita crunch? I mean, it's not great for the butthole. It's definitely better for the butthole, though. All right, all right. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. A chalupa, we put shards of glass in it. Oh, so Doritos Locos Taco. Okay. <laughs> Good. Because that's just what I want is uh, Cooler Ranch is not a butthole lubricant. I shouldn't have to say that out loud. I can't even feel the cooling sensation they talk about. <laughs> Oh, man. It's not even like an Altoid situation for your butthole. Like you're just imagining because of the marketing. Do you remember those This Is What Five Gum Feels Like ads? <laughs> right? It was like a guy laying like on a giant speaker. It's like, I've seen private parts with Howard Stern. It's like, I know how that ends. <laughs> what dumb ads? It's like it's chewing gum. It's not a fucking... Rock show. This Jesus is what chewing Christ. five gum feels like. Just shoving a frozen gordita directly up your ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nobody asked for this. And that one other woman pops out the orbit. Fantabulous. <laughs> for dry red eyes. That's no, a different commercial. Different commercial, even though that's a missed opportunity, I feel like. Those two definitely should have collabed. They should have. They should have dated and married and had weird pitch kids. The pitch children. I like it. It's win little Stein's gum fortune. <laughs> it's not nearly as good. Or something. <laughs> Speaking of super team ups, let's get back to this movie. Yeah, that's fine. Told you, nighttime sillies. <laughs> Montoya shows up because she got the location from, from Dinah, and she's going to immediately just start fighting Harley. She's like, you son of a bitch. And they're fighting each other, and she cuffs Harley, but Harley learned the trick with the handcuffs earlier from Cass, so she uncuffs herself and kicks Montoya out of a window. As you do, yes. And Montoya dies. That's it. She's not in the movie anymore. No, she's fine. Yeah, totally fine. Everyone that you would imagine is fine is fine. Dinah and Zaz show up, and Zaz just immediately hits Harley with a tranquilizer, and just, he's like, all right, 
going to kill you. But first, I got to go figure out what Dinah's doing with the kid because, you know, she's a dirty rat. She is. We got to take care of that rat. Yeah. So, so Zaz is like, here's a knife. Cut her open. Get me that diamond. And Dinah's like, well, I don't want to do that because I don't know if you noticed, but this entire movie, I don't like violence against women. Period. Full stop. I want to Favreau salute it, and I can't bring myself to do it because- I can't either. Yeah. Right answer. Yeah. Yeah. So Zaz is like, get it done. And he turns around, and what happens? Huntress shoots him just right in the neck with Good. an arrow. And he, he falls over, and then you know Harley starts stabbing him with the tranquilizer dart from her neck. As she's like coming to a little bit. It's so good. And everybody's just, you know, struggling. And Montoya shows back up in the window and Cass runs out and she has the gun and she's yelling at everybody. Huntress is like, I just came here to kill him. Can I go? And they're like, no, you can't go. They're all confronting each other. And outside, Roman has arrived with just an entire army of thugs. There are so many. Because you see Roman's Rolls Royce pull up, you're like, okay, fine, the baddie's here. And then so many other cars pull up, you're like, this is about to get interesting. Just a lot, a lot of people wearing masks. I like the way they did this because they had to put enough people outside. Yeah. So that all the ladies recognize that they have to team up. Right. It's not that they want to. They absolutely have to. Yeah. Roman has a bone to pick with each and every one of them. So Harley's like, let's team up. They reluctantly agree, arm themselves, and head off to fight. And they battle wave after wave of these goons, just all over the place. Harley changes shoes into, into roller skates at one point, and I love that Dinah's like, when did she have time for a shoe change? <laughs> it's great. Huntress takes out a guy on the slide. It's a goof em up slide, too. It's like a spiral slide type oh, thing, and she great. just comes out stabbing the guy. And then you have that, like, light tunnel that they fight in and stuff. Yeah. It's like this, the amount of set pieces is ridiculous. And the whole time, everybody's, like, trying to keep Cass safe, especially uh, Huntress. She's like, hey, you shouldn't see any of this. You get out of here. It's great. It's wholesome. And also, they're killing a bunch of people. They are. It is super violent. Super violent. As they're fighting these goons, Roman manages to kidnap Cass. Somehow. I do have a piece of caped IMDb trivia here, actually. <laughs> okay. Butts Around the Globe filed a class action lawsuit against the makers of this film due to how many were kicked. There are so many kicked. So and many gonna, butts. They're all going to get like seven cents because they all right? deserve it. It's, it's, we're going to settle, but there were so many butts that you're not going to see a lot of money. Right. Uh, we partnered with uh, Taco Bell. And we're just going to send out a coupon for one free taco. Yeah. Oh, hope your butt's feeling better. Here's <laughs> gonna need the it. aforementioned frozen chalupa from the Five Gum commercial. <laughs> you know, maybe get the cheesy Fiesta potatoes if your butt still hurts from, from the movie. They're delicious and nutritious. Not. 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 <laughs> not nutrition, but delicious. Do you know what would be a good idea? Let's just have a cup of potatoes and put some sour cream and cheese on it. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds horrible. We'll call it Fiesta. It's fine. If people don't like it, we'll take it off the menu. We won't even hear about it ever again. <laughs> right? We're going to McRib that bitch. Make people forget that that's a garbage sandwich. Oh, it's so bad, but they keep like tricking me into trying it again. <laughs> I think like once every other year I try it when it comes back. I'm like, this is such shit. It's like, oh, wait, I can't remember. Are McRibs bad? I'll try one again to see. No, the no, line is just... out on the road for this thing. Everyone must want the McRib. It must be delicious again. 
Did they make it better this year? Let me... I guess I'll try one. No, they still put uh, four onions too many on it. Uh, four is putting it lightly. It I mean, is just four all onions. whole onions on the sandwich. <laughs> giant onions. They don't even cut them up. Oh, God. Just four full-ass Vidalias on top of a tiny piece of fake ribs. If you like the McRib, we're not here to yuck anybody's yum. <laughs> But just know you're being judged. Just know. By your breath from across the room. From the next (laughs) building over. Your neighbors are going to have to, like, evict you. You know what I want? Fake terrible rib meat with a single pickle and four full Vidalias on top. What's with a fucking single pickle? (laughs) You You can't put more than one piece of pickle on there? Come on, McDonald's. We can't. Ronald demanded one single pickle. (laughs) <laughs> in his master recipe. I feel like the reason it's it's a seasonal sandwich or a limited time sandwich is because they have to make the stupid special bun for it, the weird shaped one. That's pretty fair. They need to have all their child labor, put all the individual yeah. sesame seeds or whatever it is on them. <laughs> and also, whatever mold it is for that rib patty. Oh, God. Probably takes a while to manufacture. It's not good. It is not good. It is not good. Uh, Butthole friendly, though. Is it? I mean, I mean more so probably than not like, Taco Bell. I feel like, so Taco Bell, we've determined it's not butthole friendly. Right. But I feel like the McRib is like, the rest of your GI system is just fucked. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, The Taco Bell slides through at a nice clip. Right. But I feel like the McRib is going to uh, have some detours in there. Hold like, everything It's going to get up. held up every now and then from the onion. Just grasping at it. Have you been pooping too much from Taco Bell? Come on down to McDonald's, get a McRib. It'll stop you real quick. It'll back you up, but then you're going to shit out like nine Keurigs when you're all done. <laughs> Trying to heal from your from your butthole hurting? <laughs> Have a couple McRibs. You won't poop for three weeks. Just enough time to heal. Does it take a funnel three weeks to heal? I don't know. <laughs> This is what chewing five gum tastes like. Feels like. Do you think anyone's ever put five gum in their butthole? Try to I get mean, that minty freshness. A hundred percent, somebody has. I I don't even think it's up to for debate. And that's like the person with like three people on TikTok following him, and he's trying to like do the five gum challenge, and they're like, "This isn't a thing. Stop it." Look, I don't know how you found my TikTok, but <laughs> I know I recognize that butthole <laughs> with the Wawa tattoo next hey, to it. There's there's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason I can guarantee someone's tried it. Dry brown eye. Uh, McRib has an ingredient to back it up. <laughs> now, wow. what I'm going to need you to do is you got to sp- keep your brown eye open while we drop the McRib sauce directly on it in order to lube it up again. <laughs> McRibs? Is that barbecue sauce? You wish. <laughs> Doctor, I don't know how to tell you this. I can't keep my brown eye open whenever I get drops in it. Whenever I get a McRib close to it, it starts crying. <laughs> From the onions. From the onions. Buttholes can smell. Well, otherwise you wouldn't be able to taste the five gum. <laughs> this is the strangest bit we've ever done, this I think. Really is. <laughs> it's what like that's the difference between it tasting minty or tasting rectangle. <laughs> that is the flavor of a McRib, isn't it? <laughs> Barbecue adjacent rectangle. <laughs> Gross when you break it down <laughs> that way. <laughs> so Roman kidnaps Cass. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. This movie's happening. 
Well, his thugs get her, bring her outside. Now he's got her. And it's like, uh oh, now what do we do? And for some reason, <laughs> Montoya knows about Dinah's powers. Uh, nobody else does, but she's like, hey, you know what you have to do. And she's like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to for whatever reason, but I'll do it. And she, you know, lets out a supersonic scream and it sends everybody flying up in the air. I love this because Harley in VO says, I told you she had a killer voice. <laughs> she, she God damn that. it. It's so good. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so good. Harley takes this opportunity to go roller skating after Roman with one bullet in a gun. So, you know, she's going to have to make it count. But then we get a, a chase scene with, with a car and a Harley Quinn on roller skates. And she keeps getting knocked over by his goons. So Huntress shows up on her motorcycle and she's like, hey, I'll pull you. That's teamwork. That's fucking teamwork. What's your favorite dish? <laughs> it's not a McRib. <laughs> good. 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 <laughs> I won't order that from Zanzibar. So Huntress and Harley, they're working in tandem. She's riding the back of the bike, and then she gets slingshotted onto the car, and, you know, she kills a bunch of the goons. And then she crashes the car, which is great. Because everybody inside was wearing a seatbelt, so nobody died. And that was very lucky that the two consequential characters were wearing a seatbelt, presumably. Because after the car crashes, they're just out of the car and walking now, away Yeah, Roman just grabs Cass, and he's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down Founders Pier. Or hobble? I don't know. He's pretty fine after the car wreck. Ewan McGregor's acting. He sure is. So he takes Cass down Founders Pier, and he taunts Harley while hiding in the fog amongst the statues. And he's like, you need me. And Harley's like, oh, Roman. Oh, Romy, baby. The criminals of Gotham should fear me, not you or the Joker. And then she fires her single bullet. And she hits a statue. I love that so much. And Ewan McGregor's like, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And I love Harley's look of like, yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Ah, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so now you have Roman holding Cass hostage and Harley's just standing there like well shit so she takes a moment to apologize to Cass for trying to sell her to Roman and Cass confesses that she has something to tell her herself also you know sentences <laughs> <laughs> you just remind me that I don't remember where I heard it it might have been on the Parks and Recollection podcast speaking of Rob Lowe about how Christopher Walken will just eliminate all punctuation from his screenplays that he gets, the scripts that he gets for his characters and whatnot. Okay. So he can kind of come up with the cadence that they speak in. And that's how that you get explains the so walk much. and talk. And I feel like you just did that. I just managed to walk and talk. That's what they call it. <laughs> Tell that to Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. <laughs> we did it. Famously it. can't uh, walk and talk. Greatest uh, callback of all time. That's oh, the end of the Kate podcast. God, that's episode two? <laughs> yeah. Wow. We did it. We've gone full circle. Uh, we'll, we'll see you never. That's it. We <laughs> that's can't it. top that ever. Cass confesses that she stole something from Harley. Her ring. And then she pulls up her hand. She's got a grenade pin on her finger. Roman panics because, you know, this is a known pickpocket who just unpicked a pocket with a grenade so he's like where is it harley throws him off the pier and he explodes into a bunch of chunks 
before he splashes into the water and it's, it's so awesome good it escalates so quickly too. so this, quick you have like this apology scene happening you have cassandra holding up the ring that she's pulled out and it takes you a second to realize what it is yeah and when you realize it i love they give you that beat roman though. realizes it and i love how they do harley throwing him overboard into the water in like one shot so he's going down then he just explodes into pieces boom oh it's so good it's so good and then huntress uh black canary and montoya show up and they're like wow cool you did the thing that guy sucked (laughs) (laughs) i love how you managed to get your titular characters all here for reasons a couple scenes and i like that harley's like yeah he did suck want to get tacos right answer so they all go for morning burritos and margaritas because nothing's going to make you shit out of diamond like the aforementioned burritos and tacos that we were talking about. Well, I love this too because Harley Quinn explains this to the group. She's like, she's eating prunes and prune juice and tacos and if and this stuff doesn't make and- her shit, I don't know what will. And I love how Cassandra's just like, okay, I gotta go. She gets up, she goes over to the bathroom and she's here struggling. She's like, Harley, I need your help in here. She says, get the colander. Bring the colander. (laughs) So Cass is, quote, passing the diamond. And uh, she and Harley just steal Dinah's car and ride off. As you do. While the other three three sit around going like, it'd be pretty neat if we did more of that, you know? We, We saved the day pretty good, even though we weren't in the scene where the day was saved. We should do more. Maybe they will shortly. Erickson, once again, takes credit for Montoya's work and bringing down Roman. So she quits the GCPD and joins Dinah and Helena to form the Birds of Prey, using the money from the Bertinelli accounts. Again, we're in the last minute of this movie, and they hot tub time machined. They're like, oh, we, we should, the Birds of Prey. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We made sure we got it in. <laughs> Harley and Cass pawn the diamond and ride away with Bruce, who turned up alive after all. He was just wandering Chinatown, proving that hyenas do have nine lives. I've always been questioning it. Now I don't have to question it anymore. Now you don't have to. I'll finally be able to sleep tonight. They ride away into the sunset eating their egg sandwiches. It's the perfect ending. It's so good. There is a brief post-credit thing. Now, I watched this on HBO Max, and I wasn't sure if it cut off on purpose or by accident. (laughs) Harley seems surprised that we stuck around for the credits. And for our patients, she's going to reveal a big secret about Batman, only for the audio to cut off. Which is really, really well done. I was worried that, like, HBO Max is like, nope, end, end of stream. (laughs) But I'm so happy that it cuts off. And that is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn from 2020, directed by Kathy fucking Yan. This movie's a goddamn blast. Last month, we talked about a lot of movies that, for one reason or another, got a lot of hate. And really, only one of them deserved it. And that was Garfield. Yeah, totally deserved it. But all these other ones have been a lot of fun, and I don't know why people hate them. Well, I, I mean, three out of the four movies that are not named Garfield, if you exclude <laughs> Garfield, I know why people were against them, and that's a problem. Yes. yeah, the same. It was one of the grievances that Roman had with, uh, with Harley. Right. She's a woman. Right. And uh, Captain Marvel is a woman. Right. And Wonder Woman is famously a woman. That's, that's in her name. And Venom is not a woman. That's true. And but he did have feelings. It was a love story. I love. So once again, brr, comic book fans. 
Right. They're a very, our, very toxic. Our target demographic bunch. are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Uh, critically, what do you think this thing did, Rotten Tomatoes wise? 1 100. 77. 79%. Oh. Audience score 78%. So you barely missed it. But I like whenever the audience and the critics line up a little bit. I do like it when they're in agreement. Roger did not see this movie. He was too busy eating a breakfast burrito, and he got stuck on the toilet for months on end. Yeah, that'll happen every time. But other critics that did see this movie are Richard Brody from The New Yorker. He says, under the film's hyper-formatted style and impersonal action, there's a pretty good movie straining to break out, which makes the waste of its creator's earnest exertions all the more dismaying. What movie did this guy watch? Not this. Very confused by that one. Amy Nicholson from Film Week and also New York Times and also KPCC NPR Los Angeles. She does it all and you can listen to her on Unspooled with Paul Shear. It's a fantastic podcast. She said, Margot Robbie herself is fantastic. Fantabulous. She fucked up there. I'll give her that. <laughs> the action choreography is pretty good. If I have a quibble, it has probably the worst needle drops of any movie in recent history. Oh, I completely disagree. I think that the needle drops are spectacular in the worst way. They are so heavy handed that they work perfect for this movie. So I'm happy she picked them out. Yes. And we'll get there. Oh, maybe she meant like they're bad in the cool way, like the 90s kids. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's maybe. bad, man. Probably not, but maybe. But maybe. That's the hope I'm going to hold out. And Leonard Malton from HotTubTimeMachine.com, <laughs> he says... Does the positive energy of a female-centric comic book movie made by women compensate for the nihilistic, super-violent nature of its content? Is this really a step forward for women behind the camera and in the audience? That's the conundrum presented, to which I say, Leonard Malton, fucking stop. Yeah, what are you doing? Hey, this is a lady movie. Why isn't it more ladylike? Gross. Is this really a step forward for women? No. It becomes equal for women. Yes. It's as simple as that. And why is it to go out, out of the way and say, this is a female-centric comic book movie made by women? Who gives a fuck? Who made the movie? Right. Especially because if I go back and look at Wonder Woman's reviews or Wonder Woman 1984's reviews, you're not going to fucking say that. Made by women? Why is it so dirty then? I like my ladies to not be so... Get out of here, guy. Don't like it. I like Leonard Malton, and that's the annoying part about it, is that he sometimes has a severe case of head up ass, Yeah, and I, I can't stand that. Every once in a while, he, he's a little bit like the McRib. That's right. Square and meat-like. For a limited time, <laughs> terrible. Right. <laughs> Our good friends on Letterboxd had quite a bit to say about this movie. Oh, I bet they did. From February 6, 2020. Oh, to be that bacon, egg, and cheese that Harley loves so dearly. I don't know if I'd rather be looked at by, by Margot Robbie, the way she looks at that egg and cheese sandwich, or if I had an egg and cheese sandwich in my life that I could look at that way. I don't know which one I'd rather have. Why not both? I mean, well, in an ideal world, I'd <laughs> in the world. be looked at like an egg sandwich and be able to look at an egg sandwich. What if she looked at you... Looking at an egg sandwich. I mean, again, ideal. Not going to yuck your yum, not going to ruin your dreams. You do you, boo. One day, I'm going to get that sandwich. <laughs> and that and, look. And Margot Robbie's going to see me look at it. 
perfect. <laughs> From February 7th, 2020, I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's fantabulous. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> That's so well done. That's so good. And it's a quote that we probably shouldn't have forgotten about, but we clearly have. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Joker's a forgettable movie. <laughs> well, hopefully Joker 2 will fix that. Hopefully it's a musical. My fingers are very much crossed because that's the rumor. They're very much crossed. That would be fantastic. Fantabulous. Fantabulous. That'd be fantabulous. There is a recent rumor that the Marvels might also be a musical. Which, sign me up. Please. Pretty please. All the Flash crossovers, like the musical episode with that one. Yeah. With uh, Darren Chris when he did it. Oh, yeah. It was so good. In the worst way. There's something so cringy about it that I love. That's the whole thing is it's the car wreck of TV episodes. <laughs> what are they doing? You're like, yeah, I did love it, didn't I? Yeah. Son of a bitch. But my musical is still my favorite Scrubs episode. So I already like, sang part of it. Guy Love, man. Guy it's love. such a good episode. So good. So, you know, uh, also, it's not like that movie's not already going to get hate anyway. Why not lean in? That's a good point. From February 8th, 2020, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is single-handedly the best comic book film casting of all time. It's high praise. It is, and And we should talk about it, because that might not be wrong. I mean, she's definitely on the Mount Rushmore. She is, and she keeps coming back. And I feel like that puts her in a bit of a Hugh Jackman Wolverine situation, because Hugh Jackman is damn near perfect. As that character. Okay, yeah. For what's presented, at least. But for, yeah. Margot Robbie just owns this character. She does. Uh, and the fact that Harley Quinn has now appeared more times in the DCEU than Joker has is, is big. It's huge. So. From March 16th, 2021, honestly, it was worth suffering through Suicide Squad to eventually receive this gift as a result. Yes. Yes, I yes, like yes. Suicide Squad, but I'm going to wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> And the last one I have is from February 7th, 2020. Marty would call this cinema. (laughs) I really like that one. That is perfect. How about we see what this thing does on our super stuff scale scoring, whatever we're calling it. Yeah, I like how you tried to change it up there and then stumbled on it. Episode 180. We might as well try to change something up, right? Episode 180. Let's intro the super stuff in a different way. I like it. Story motivation. Girl eats diamond. We wait for poop. I mean, sure. <laughs> That's the B story, sort of. Uh, Harley Quinn, without Joker. Without Joker. She has emancipated herself fantabulously, and now everybody wants her dead, and she has to find a way to survive. It's okay. Yeah, because I, I don't know, like, the, the way this movie ends, everybody still wants her dead, as far as I can tell. She didn't really do anything to amend that. I agree, and it's called Birds of Prey, and it's a Harley Quinn story, so it's like, yeah, you kind of shoehorn that Birds of Prey thing in there at the end, and fine, I'll go 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5, I, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Hero. It should be the titular Birds of Prey, and they do mostly save the day, but one member in particular does all the work. It is the titular Harley Quinn. The parenthetically titular Harley Quinn. Yeah, well, see, that's the weird thing about this movie is that it's it is parenthetical everywhere except for in the marketing for the movie. <laughs> Correct, because this movie did go through a bit of an Edge of Tomorrow moment in the oh, way yeah. it was presented. Because Edge of Tomorrow, they started going, "It's Edge of Tomorrow, live, die, repeat." Oh, that's better. 
Right. And then eventually this one, they were like, Harley Quinn, colon, birds of prey. So it's complicated. It is complicated, but the hero is Harley Quinn. Agreed. And she kicks all the asses. I want to go 0.75 because this movie is a bit of a cop-out in terms of it should be a team film. Yes. Based on title. Based on the title, which I don't think is usually, that's, you're, you're very much judging a book by the cover right now. I am, but I feel like it's important. For this one especially. I mean, you're not going to say the Avengers film or whatever, and you're only picking out one character. It's kind of like how when they did uh, Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And everyone's like, this is an Avengers movie. But you have to look at it as a Captain America movie. But this one here is a Birds of Prey film because it's the title of it, but it's also not. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yes and no. You get individual stories from each of the Birds of Prey that eventually culminates in them becoming a team. 0.5! She's mostly an anti-hero. 0.75 was what you said the first time, so we're going with that. Villains! <laughs> Roman Sionis is terrific. Roman he's having Sionis. a ball, and he's terrifying, and it's you and fucking McGregor. Exactly. Hello there, one. One. One for sure, and I, I hate that we did these two movies out of order, because Wonder Woman 84, with its Pedro Pascal, also phenomenal villain, and these two, back-to-back... Are so good, and I think you and McGregor watching it after Pedro Pascal brings it down a little bit. Like it's not, it's not. No, as... you can't, you can't do that. I, I won't let you do that. No, I'm still, I'm still agreed that it is a one. I get that if you put a Pedro Pascal next to anything, it's going to dull it. But I, I won't allow it for a you and McGregor right now. That's 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 the right move. One for villains. Parents or teamwork? It has to be teamwork, right? It's got to be teamwork, and they do save the day, and they reluctantly come together. They reluctantly come together. They're all people of very different backgrounds that end up finding common ground, and they all hate Roman Sionis. <laughs> and he has a bone to pick with each of them individually, which they mostly know, but they also yeah. don't care. It's a survival story. I'm going to go 0. 0.75. 0. 0.75. I like it. Female characters. Two. Two. My finger was already on the two. I love Good, because it. it's the right move. They're all great. They're abs- Every single one of them has their arc. It's beautiful. I love it. It's really well done. Setting. It's a weird Gotham. This is like the least stylized Gotham I've ever seen. Because it's not. It's not it's, at all. It's just L.A. It is just L.A. Uh, it didn't do it for me. I kind of want to go zero. I feel like they could have at least tried. Well, hold on. We do get Amusement Pier and Ace Chemicals. I will go 0.25 for the Amusement Park because I like that quite a bit. Yeah. 0.25 is is probably all it deserves. Style and tone. I like how we establish the unreliable narrator. Yes. Because I'm going to get a little bit pretentious here. Yes, let's get pretentious about Birds of Prey. I love it. French New Wave director Jean-Luc Godard. He was on the USS Enterprise. That's right. <laughs> Live long and do good, as they said in that movie. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Show. He said, every story's got a beginning, middle, and end, but not necessarily in that order. And I think <laughs> that is important when you have an unreliable narrator who establishes herself as unreliable. Yes. It's a hell of a way to tell a story. I'm going with a 1.5 because the way this looks is so good too to go along with the tone that's being set within the script. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. I was very worried that you were only going to say one. 
So I'm, I'm glad you went Can't with the 1.5. Can't do it. And weirdly enough, your IMDb trivia fact put me over the edge, too, of the fun gun. The fun gun. And it, the, the whole thing is just, it's all so just told in the style and tone of Harley Quinn as much as possible. And I, it's, I adore it. It's fantabulous. It is absolutely fantabulous. One five for style and tone. Let's talk about music. It's really good. It's re- like Daniel Pemberton did the score, and the score is phenomenal. The music drops, though. The ones that <laughs> are, are contentious because they're, they're so- They're egregious. Every one so of them is egregious. But if you look at this movie from the point of view of Harley Quinn telling the story, they're so appropriate. They are, and I like how they take cover versions of a lot of very popular songs that you would know. Yes. And they use that to kind of set the tone. That seems to be like a DC move in general, though. That's true. They, they do that often. Um, I will say Birds of Prey, the album, won Best Soundtrack at the AMAs. That's a one in my book. So, I really like the music in this. I, like, the second time watching it, I was like, man, this music just hits perfectly. <laughs> Every time. And I keep getting Kesha's uh, woman stuck in my head after every viewing because it's great and it's the perfect send-off for this film it really is i'm a motherfucking woman love it one for music let's talk one liners when harley opens her mouth wait every time roman you trust a farian fuck bag <laughs> come on <laughs> um i think my favorite line of the movie though actually comes from mary elizabeth winstead it's not a fucking bow and arrow. It's a crossbow. I'm not 12. I laughed out loud because Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going through a bit of a phase right now in her acting where she's definitely not negative acting. It's just she's not really emoting hard. Yes, she's she's Kristen Stewarting all over the place. She really is. Like, if you see the movie Kate, which is a kick-ass movie. Yes. She's kind of doing the same role in a way where she's just the badass. Yeah. And she lets the things around her kind of act for her. In this one, she's like the, the socially awkward badass, though, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. love when Harley's like, you're so cool, and you're not sure if she's joking or not. It's it's great. It's really good, and that was one of my favorite lines, too. I kind of want to go like 0.5. I think that's probably appropriate. Cross my heart, hope to fart. That made me laugh hard, <laughs> and I'm so embarrassed for that. I like that it wasn't just Margot Robbie that had all the one-liners, because like, he's over a thousand years old, and now he's just an ornament in my living room. Ew, I love it. No, they spread the love a little. They That's did. got to do. Point five for the one-liners. And finally, we have impact on the genre. Margot Robbie keeps coming back. I mean, she they even does. reboot the Suicide Squad with James Gunn doing it as the Suicide Squad. Right. And he kept her. There's a reason that we keep seeing more and more Margot Robbie. There's a reason she's in the DCEU more than the Joker, which is a crazy changing of the guard. It really is. I'm going to go one. I think you have to. I think it's deserved because, again, the Joker is looked at as this mystical, almost mythical character. Right. Who just thrives on chaos. You don't know what you're going to get out of that character. With Harley, you have a pretty good idea what you're going to get until you don't. Which I actually find to be more interesting sometimes. There's only like a hint of chaos in there. It's For the most part, you know it's going to happen until it goes off the rails. But that's kind of what I like about Harley in general, though, is that she's very capable of doing the right thing. Yes. And you know that it's a choice not to. Right. 
And that's more interesting than just a character who doesn't have any qualities that you can relate to, like with the Joker. Exactly. Exactly. But yet, whenever the Joker's there, it's looked at as this almost pedestal-like character where you have to pay attention because it's a really interesting character who you don't know what he's going to do next. Right. But you also know he's never going to do the right thing. So it's what crazy thing he's going to do next. I think having the character that can do the right thing and also do the crazy thing when you're least expecting it yeah, is more yeah. I think there's there's more depth to Harley Quinn, whereas with the Joker, you're just looking and waiting to see how. It's not so much what's he going to do, but how are they going to outdo what they did the last time? Right. How far are you going to go? Yeah. One. One for impact on the genre. That is going to give Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn a total score of 9.25. That's a big score. Big boy score. Wow. And I know a lot of people don't like this movie, and it's arbitrary. So don't take it personally, but uh, you got two people here who really dig this movie. (laughs) Just so much. It's, yeah. I'm probably going to watch it again later this week. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again later this week, but I will absolutely watch this again soon. Yeah. And now, Brian, I got to ask you. Mm Mm-hmm. What are we talking about next week? Why do you sound so smug asking that question right now? Because I'm real smug asking that question right now. Yeah. uh, I don't know how you conned me into this, but next week, we're finishing the trilogy. We're talking about the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king. I'm finally seeing it. We're finally talking about it. And what's more exciting, if you want another peek behind that veil... Me and Brian haven't recorded an episode together in person in a year. At least. And we're doing this one in person. Yep, we're going to be hanging out together in the fortress, talking about the epic conclusion of The Lord of the Rings. I don't remember the last movie that we did together. It's been a long time. (laughs) It has. It's been quite a while. I can't wait. The chair across from me, it's very much Roger Rabbited up. Like a tune killed my brother sort of way. It's just covered in dust. (laughs) Can't wait for you to be here in the fortress as we talk about the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king next week. I am returning as the king. Sure. If that's what gets you through this one, that's fine. I'm going to need every little bit, I think. You've never seen it. That's true. And you got to watch the extended by law. Can't wait to see the Jean-Luc Picard uh, ending of of the beginning, middle, and ending. I can't wait either. It's going to be so exciting next week. Can't wait. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you follow us on. It does help us. Join us on Patreon this month for Hot Tub Time Machine, which we mentioned a couple times in this episode. Mentioned pretty much in every episode. Whenever the title gets dropped, that gets dropped. We're finally talking about Hot Tub Time Machine itself. Uh, Exciting. Clark Dukin! (laughs) if you have any questions or comments you can email them to katepodcasters at gmail.com and i can forget about them for three weeks it's good whatever we have an email address that brian pitches every week and he just doesn't look at it it's good no it's really good uh we got an email from jeff miners who asks hi jeff who says i'm just gonna read the email how about that (laughs) hello fellow capers just wanted to give my opinion why it might be problematic to be dreaming about Annette Benning. Oh yeah. Captain Marvel. That's how long ago this oh, email came boy. in. I think it's because if you're thinking about her, Kevin Spacey isn't too far behind. 
And oh, less- God, we talked about him, too, this episode. That's bad. <laughs> and less thinking about him, the better. I'm glad we all we kept all the spacey in one episode, then. That's good. So that is all. Also, don't forget to review The Shadow. Master of Skies is an important. Tim Curry is the way better option. Keep up the great work, my lords. Jeff Myers. My lords? Yeah. That just gave me a half chub. Right? That's the power trip it's- mixed with nighttime sillies again. Not enough to make me want to talk about... Master of Disguise. Oh, wait. No, you wanted the shadow. That's, oh. That he, he strictly said, do not talk about the Master of Disguise, which you know is what? the first time someone said, don't do it. That's good enough for me. You know what? Done. We won't talk about Master of Disguise. We won't do Thank it. Thank you, we Jeff Miners. <laughs> he pulled the shoot for us. <sighs> so send your emails to gmail.com so we can read them in episode, I don't know, 200? <laughs> sure. Something like that. <laughs> Follow us on social media at Kate Podcasters, where we'll actually see them. Especially on Facebook, where we always put up a post on our recording day for your questions. And we got one, and it is Phil Hudson Hawkins. He asks, is this the dumbest, most unnecessary name ever for a comic book movie? I'm going to say no, because there is a 2009 movie directed by Rob Zombie called The Haunted World of El Super Bisto. <laughs> That's a terrible name. So... I will say no because there's a movie called The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D. <laughs> ah, both great arguments against this movie having a bad title, but I think this this movie's title is actually perfect for its tone. I think it's perfect if not going way too far. In the going too far, I think it's it's done what it wanted to do. Phil, thank you. Jeff, thank you. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Brian do you have anything else? Nope, that's it for me. Fantabulous. We're going to see you guys next week for Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Same pod time. Same pod, Big Rib. <laughs> <laughs>